friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. I hope the week is going swimmingly for you so far. We're over the hump and we're sliding down, literally, if you're on my drive at the moment, which is like sheet ice, towards the weekend. I'm Mark Heath. I'm your host. Joining me today, two of my favourite kings, probably my favourite kings, in fact. And I'm going to start, first of all, with a man who, according to his own brother, would be a professional goalkeeper if he was blessed with the same height as said brother. And that is Andy the Hutchman. Hutch Hogan Warren, how are you? When have you been speaking to my brother? He uh, he messaged the uh, the KOA podcast on Twitter, my friends, because we discussed. Uh, I can't even remember how we got onto this on the pod on Monday, just me and Stu. Um, I think it was about positions on the football pitch and where we'd play. Uh, and Stewie said that you would put yourself in goal because you've got the reflexes of a cat. To which I said, "Well, so he claims." Stewie said, "Well, actually, I've seen him. He's half decent." And now Chris has stepped in and said, "Look, if he had my height, Chris is what is he about six foot five? Six, yeah, six four, six five. It's just not fair, is it? That's a that's a real cruel roll of the genetic dice there, Hutchie. Because you're what are you about five eight? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, but he stepped in and said, if he was my height, he would probably be a professional goalkeeper. So there we go. Okay. Do you want to add anything to that? Because I think you have said before that you you fancy yourself between the sticks. No, I was good. I, I was good when I was younger. Um, but yeah, it's it, it wasn't it wasn't to be. You don't see many goalkeepers at five foot six and three quarters, do you? <laughs> um, but no, Not in really. my in, in my younger days, I was without getting too excited about it. I was I was good. You were good, okay. Yeah. And then cruelly denied by your lack of stature, which seemed well, yeah, I, it was never going to happen. Never, uh, my course was set. I'm the same height as my dad. It's, okay, uh, where's the where's Chris's height come from? Then is your mum seven foot tall? No. <laughs> okay no, move, move, moving on uh to our compadre our friend your friend everyone's friend it's the big porker the grand poor sign sporting a new haircut today as he's aging in reverse he's now got the haircut of a 15 year old boy it's mike bacon well thank you very much Heath. yes very, yeah, very much i hope you like my little um well it's not so much a trim it's more sort of fell out of bed and didn't bother the comb it type haircut but that's what the youngsters do isn't it you see so that's how uh, that's how i'm now rolling um yeah so for, yes um for, thank you for us nice to be back obviously been a couple of weeks um a uh, few issues we had didn't we <laughs> with finance again i don't know why we can't sort this out to be honest but anyway i'm back here now which is lovely um and uh yeah looking forward to christmas obviously um over my advent calendar this morning and um obviously uh a little bit disappointed. There was no chocolate behind it. <laughs> you have a little chocolate behind every advent can. Do you not have an advent can? Yeah. That's because you opened them all on the first of December, yeah. didn't you? They're, they're not. They're not going to be there. If you open them all on day one, that's it. They're gone. Oh, you can't eat them all I, on day one. I, I where, wasn't aware. Where, of, I wasn't on aware that of. note, on that note, boys. Obviously, we're what are we just over a week away from Christmas now. Where are we in terms of the Christmas food in our various households? Um, is any of it open? Have you have you popped open any of the uh, the festive nuts yet? Are you trying to be abstemious until next week? What's the uh, how's it work? Because I am fighting the urge right now. I've got to tell you to crack open some dry roasted peanuts and just have a munch right now. You've not bought anything. What? I, I, the the trees up and everything. You, there's yeah. no there is no Christmas there is no Christmas food to be seen anywhere. Mike, tell me it's different in the in the house of bacon. Very, very different, Heathy. Yes, we're absolutely, we're absolutely plastered full of turkeys and ham and everything. It's all, it's all sitting there ready to go. Uh, my freezer is packed full of them party things, you know, like you can buy yep. three, five quid pizzas. Um, oh, what do you call them? Little phyllo pastry things. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
cheesecakes, the stuff, the whole thing is there. I've got my brandy butter, I've got my single cream, got my double cream. Um, I've got 12 pints of milk already. Um, wow. Um, bought, um, oh, I bought half a ton of vegetables. Um, everything's ready to go. It's like the last days of Rome in, in house bacon at the moment, which is tremendous. I'm somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. Um, as I say, we've got the stuff, but I have yet to pop any of it open because I'm trying to um, do myself a favor and, and stay at least uh, before I start slapping on loads of weight, which is inevitable next week. I'm trying to do myself a favor and keep off it this week. I am. If you're watching the video, I should apologize as well for my uh, rather shiny gym attire. Um, I'm, I'm off to the gym literally the second that we stop, we stop this. Um, I've broken off from that training to do this today. Right then, friends, we've caught up. We talked about Christmas and we've uh, we've poked fun at each other's height and hair. Let's get on to the football, shall we? And the main talking point today is going to be, of course, the anniversary. Kieran McKenna. One year of McKenna is almost in the books. I believe the anniversary is actually officially tomorrow, isn't it, Hutchie? Um, so I thought we'd have a, a good old chat about that. First things first, let's get the stats in, shall we? So, so far in the reign of McKenna, he's played 51 games. Of those, he's won 28, drawn 14, lost nine, four, 85 goals against 37, which is a goal difference of 48, which is pretty spectacular. And I note that when Stu did a little thing around the uh, the half century of games last week, he used stats from Renegade Statman, which said that essentially of the few managers who've reached that 50 game total, which I think there are 16 in town's history, McKenna is top in terms of most wins. Fewest losses, fewest goals conceded, and most clean sheets. It's all going rather well, isn't it, Andy? Do you want to kick us off? I thought by way of segueing into this, we'd each come up with three words to describe the first year of McKenna. And do you want to kick us off there, old uh, Declan Rice? Hey, do you want all three or do you want one? What are we doing? Do you want one each or do you want all three of my words? Well, I thought we'd, all three would, would be meshed together. Okay. Seamless. Yep. Sophisticated. Yep. Winner. Seamless, sophisticated winner. Talking about yourself, really, aren't you? Um, so, uh, was it a year ago? Was it tonight? It was Barrow away, mm. which was the nadir of what was a pretty terrible start to, the, to that season. Um, but things quickly t uh, picked up with the appointment of McKenna. So, where do you want to start, Hutchie? Let's, well, why, why don't we start with that Barrow game? Because... Um... That was really, really poor night, wasn't it? And at that, and at that point, Ashton and McKenna had met. They'd talked about this job, but it wasn't signed and sealed. Um, you might have been forgiven for watching that game of thinking, "Hang on a second, do I, do I want to swap the Champions League, Cristiano Ronaldo, Manchester United, the club of my dreams, Old Trafford, for this lot that have just been so poor." In a in a pretty miserable. I mean, that was that was dreadful. It's hard to overstate how bad that was. That performance. I remember. I was mm. doing, for some reason I was doing the ratings that night. I gave every player a three, pretty much, and I got told that was way too generous. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the world of ratings. But the reason you were doing those ratings is I was off that week and I was at the Shrek experience. That's right on yeah. the on the embankment in uh, in London, which is great, by the way. Um, okay, I'd thoroughly recommend that. But um. I, I got home. I didn't actually watch the Barrow game I was, until the following morning. Um, but it was really, really bad, wasn't it? And if mm. you're watching that from presumably somewhere in Manchester thinking, I'm, I've am i got the opportunity to manage this group of players, um, but it's going to take me making this all, almighty decision to change 
a career that's been going up and up and up uh, to take this job. You you could have been forgiven for thinking, actually, maybe this isn't a particularly good idea. And I'm sure mm. people around him would have maybe questioned, are you sure this is a good idea? That goes for people close to him, people at Manchester United who who really wanted to keep him. Um, Ralph Rangnick was was in as the, the caretaker there and wanted to keep him. Um, so I'm sure a lot of them probably were thinking, is this really, is this really the right call? But, but thankfully, um, thankfully he made that decision and, um, and, and, and that's been Ipswich's gain. And I think Kieran McKenna's gain as well, because it's been, it's been a really good year for him, uh, a really good year for the club. Um, and it just fits. It just feels right that, that, that they're together, but thankfully it got over the, the potential, uh, banana skin of that of that game with Barrow. Yeah, uh, I think you've, you've written a piece actually, it was online this morning, isn't it, about the kind of story behind McKenna's taking the job and all the background stuff to it, stuff you may not have read before. So go and give that a read if you've not already. Mike, what three words have you got to, to cast your opinion on the first year of McKenna? I've got um, calm, yep. respectful, and I've got the word future. Just future. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say the future, just future. Um, look, He's he's done extraordinarily well. Um, the, it's interesting. You're right, Andy. What you're saying about Barrow, and he must have been looking and thinking, "Is this a good idea?" And that's absolutely right. The thing is, I don't know how many over the years managers have turned down the opportunity to manage Ipswich Town. I'd be quite interested to know if any have, because Ipswich Town is still a very big club in the realms of football. Uh, I know a lot of people say, "Well, you're only living on your history." Yeah, but not so much that there's still a lot of potential at this football club, and. McKenna's had a good meeting with Ashton, hasn't he? I mean, this is where it's all come from. The fact there will be money, there will be an opportunity to, to... I think it's been a great fit, to be honest. I think I think McKenna's done exactly the right thing in taking the job. And I think he has... Well, I, I use the word respectful because he's just such a... As Andy will know, yeah, with press conferences and just general general behaviour, and I'm sure it rebounds on the players as well. You can You can be nice in this game. You don't have to be a brawler and a fighter and a shouter and a screamer. And that's more coming into the sport, I think. More and more managers start. I mean, with Southgate, we've had recently with England, obviously at the moment with England, you know, some people might not like it, but then the players do like it. And England have been half decent the last few tournaments, haven't they, compared to what we used to 20 years ago. So McKenna's brought that to Ipswich. Um, I love his manner. I've got, he never gets too high and he never gets too low. And I think that is everything about it was just like, where's dear old Paul Cook, as much as we loved Cookie. I mean, he was great. Comes running out of the changing rooms to shout and scream at the press after the match, good or bad. With McKenna, it's just the same sort of demeanour. Um, mm. And some and some very good, and those the words, words when he spoke to Stuart Watson about um, people, about um, managers always praising them up. Ipswich Town. He came out with some very classy, sophisticated comments there. And I thought, wow, this is like a this is like an author, like a published author speaking. You know, not 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 a football manager. I mean, it, no, he had some very classy stuff. And I tell you what, I mean, I, I just I just really hope he's still here in three or four years' time. That's that's my biggest hope because if he is, um, where Ipswich will be, it'd be could, could be very good. Tremendous. Um, I've got. I've afforded myself, friends, as there's a host of this austere show. Um, I've given myself two, two sets of three words, both linked together. So I've got, first of all, I've got everything we wanted. Secondly, I've got better than expected. Because I think when we had the uh, the first show after he'd been appointed, and I asked everyone at the end to, to rank the signing of McKenna, the capture of McKenna out of 10, 
I think there were a few sevens out of tens, and and I was among the kind of seven out of ten, that being a more optimistic than I maybe wanted to go because I, at that point I was concerned. You've got a guy. Yes, he's been at Man United, but he's never ever been a manager, and he's coming into Ipswich Town at a crucial juncture in their history where things they've just blown up the playing squad, and um, things have started badly. After that, things were not going well. They just lost to Barrow. They needed someone to come in and turn things around pretty quickly. And I was concerned that bringing in someone who'd never, ever been a manager at any level into that kind of fire fighting exercise in League One was a real gamble. And it was a real gamble. Mm. Um, that's that. That's why I've put Seamless as one of mine, yeah. because I, I think I had the same the same thoughts as you there. It's we didn't know anything about him. Let, let, let's be honest. Like mm. we, 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 we knew, we knew his role at Manchester United. And that actually all you, you heard about a, a really good coach, but then you were also, whether these things you should be reading and believing these things or not, you're reading about a, a, a man where you're talking about senior players, not, you know, not always taking to him. There were certain reports out at that time, which obviously we didn't know Kieran McKenna then. So, mm. but, you can only kind of read what what there is to read, but but it's been seamless, hasn't it? He's he he has held himself as a football manager from day one and and mm. done it and and done it brilliantly. Like there have been new things for him to deal with, things that he's had to do more of than he's used to in the past. But it all seems like he's taken it really just seamlessly. Just dropped in. He's a football manager and 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 cracked on from the from the word go. Um, I'm I'm looking looking back a little bit. I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't didn't take the Sunderland game um, and sat and watched that with Mark Ashton. And I'm glad that the game at Gillingham on Boxing Day, which would have been his first game, was off um, mm. due to um, COVID. due to COVID at Gillingham, at Gillingham wasn't it? Um, which meant he had ten days before his first game, and I, I think that was really important. I think that was a really good thing and, and allowed him to kind of settle in without having to go straight into games, winning, losing that, uh, and the thrust of that. But just the way he's dropped in and seems like he's been doing this for for 10 years is is, mm. is the thing that's impressed me impressed me the most it's like yeah he's been very much building to this isn't he so when yeah. he does finally make the step he wanted to be sure that he would fit straight in and be in the right place at the right time and thankfully that seems to be at Ipswich town it's worth reflecting though actually like you say when he was a well when we first heard that name no one knew anything about him we didn't know what what type of football he played really what his background was, what he'd been doing, you know, anything really. Um, and I remember Rossi did a, after he'd been appointed, did a an interview with one of the Man United podcasts, who again was saying, well, yeah, he's, you know, he's been part of the, the, man, the, the managerial setup. But really the only kind of thing out there on him was he, was, he, he had a reputation for being a bit of a school teacher in terms of how he, 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 he taught the players, which I guess, I don't know if that was meant to be a compliment or not, when you say someone's a school teacher, probably not so much. But certainly, he is very yeah. much a teacher, isn't he? Um, well, yeah. Well, he's, well, I think <clears> if, if maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but the th I think the thing that's impressed me the most about him is just improving football players. Uh, yeah. And, and if if that's come from him being a school teacher, I think that's an incredibly positive thing. When was which which la like genuinely, which is the last Ipswich manager we can talk sit here and talk about having improved players? Because I can't think of one going back a long old time, twenty years. I don't George know. Bird, George Burley. Yeah, Burley, yeah, you'd say. Yeah. Rob, 
Yeah, because just look at there's there's a list of them. Wolfenden was was heading to the exit door. Was literally two weeks away from being from being let go for not an awful lot of money, but he's turned him into a central figure in the team. Even Janoi Danasian, I think, has gone on and, and done more. Cameron Burgess, the most recent one, he's turned Cameron Burgess into someone that, if you were being unkind, you could call him a head it, kick it centre half. I think he was more than that, but you could call him that. He's certainly mm. not now. He's a football player. Um, Caden Jackson again heading to the exit door. He's turned him, and while he's not a world beater, he's turned Caden Jackson into a player who can who can give Ipswich something positive through the middle and, and increasingly out wide as well. Um, he's improving these. I think Sam Morsey's improved under under Kieran McKenna. Christian Walton's improved under Kieran McKenna. Um, so many of them, and 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 that if if that comes from him being the the school teacher that was talked about. And I think it probably was meant negatively a year mm. ago. Um, I'm all right with that. Can you remember, it's, Andy? It's, it's it's man management, isn't it? It's man management. I mean, players are, we're not footballers alike. For all the outgo, or, you know, most footballers, for all the sort of the rah-rah sort of in your face, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're just human beings like anyone else. And they just need to be managed properly as, as you do in any workplace. And, and we always have, we have sort of, ideas don't we that the football change room is just is like a a raucous sort of mat you know everyone shouting and screaming and effing and blinding and da, 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 you know and and perhaps that's not what players want these days perhaps football is changing a lot and people like McKenna are coming along with a more I mean Wenger was Arsene Wenger was years ahead of himself absolutely years ahead of himself you know I mean imagine yeah and or, you know Lee Dixon laughing that Arsene Wenger once you know flicked a cup over in the dressing room my gosh you know and and this is perhaps how players react better these days and I think you've got to remember Kieran McKenna's come in they might have been rubbish at Barrow and there might be a lot of rubbish football but there's a lot of good players in that Ipswich Town squad when he took over he wasn't taken over a, a squad full of, of useless players he mm. took it over quite a decent squad we just couldn't get him playing he's got them playing and I think a lot of it's his man management skills he's it's just his nature isn't it he's, he's just you just tell him by the way you talk to him the way he talks to people Everything's very calm and just you almost feel relaxed. You probably probably relax going into work. If you lose a football match, isn't it not the end of the world? You know? Um so, he's got that he's got that kind of calm authority, hasn't he? We yeah, no matter what's what no matter what's happened, you get the feeling it's all gonna be all right. Yes. He, you know, he's kind of almost already thinking five steps ahead and he's got the words that will make make things okay. Hutchie, can you give us an insight into I mean, clearly fans and, and people see him interviewed after games and things like that but you you spent time with him in press conferences and are privileged enough to be in that position what what could you tell people about McKenna's character having having spent some time with him um the words I'd use to describe Kieran um are self-assured and confident he's very very confident man but not but certainly not we know full well that confidence can border onto arrogance. Not with him. That's mm. not him. He's a very confident man because he's gone through the processes. He, everything is backed up with, with reason and and evidence. And, and I think that goes for him as a person, just in in general. Just when he's when people have seen him questioning referees, which is happening more and more in in, in games recently. That's always backed up with evidence. He he sits up on the podium. Sometimes he'll. Um, he'll even watch back what he's about to talk about before the press conference, before he does it. We have a little chat, chat about the game. He'll watch back something. He'll read something back to make sure that he's just fully informed on what he 
um, what he's about to say. So every, everything is said for a reason. Mike, Mike, you were talking about Paul Cook a minute ago. That was pure emotion, wasn't it? Mm. What came out of Paul oh. Cook's mouth was just emotional. Mm. You could see him. He used to watch him march across, you know, across the grass to to talk to, to the press after a game, you know. And he see as he's marching, and he used to say things. Like, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into this. I'm not going to say that. And then he ends up, but he end up saying it all. He just couldn't, he, you know, couldn't control himself. Bless it. And, and I, I love, I love Paul Coyle. He's a great guy. And, but the the contrast between him and Kenneth is just massive. And of course, you had Paul Lambert before that. I mean, Paul was very emotional as well, you know. And this is a huge contrast we've got now. But it's just someone thinking before he speaks, as you said, Andy, looking at a video, or just before he says anything, before I make a complete arse of myself by saying something, when you look at it, you think, no, he doesn't. He looks at it first, says, mm, okay, <clears throat> and makes an informed decision, which is which is great. <clears throat> but, he's, but he's not just, um, probably going back to your original question, Mark, he's not, He's not just this kind of studious um, mm. football guy. I'm not going to pretend. Clearly, we're not we're not socialising with each other. We're not friends. We don't know each other really. But but in those small little moments, there was you know we've I've, we've had a meal with Kieran at uh, one point last year. Um, he's a funny guy as well. He, he like that. There there is more to Kieran McKenna than just um, just the football, the studious, mm. the studious, well thought out planned out football coach um he's he's i think there's more to him than that I, I i don't know how much of that we'll see um but but he, he's just a good he's a, he's a good guy um yeah generally and that and it's, it's quite easy to root for good guys isn't it it's it's i i think so anyway just to it's very easy to get behind and feel very positive about a good person and a good group of people actually because it's not just him martin pert Lee Grant, Charlie Turbo, and, all, and the players as well. They're they're what Ipswich have got at the moment is just a really good group, a really good, really good group. Um, are they um, are they what Mick McCarthy would call a bloody good bloody good blokes? Yeah, they are, but they're not. I, I wouldn't say they were blokes. Um, yeah. they, if if Mick if Mick had if Mick had blokes, and maybe what Mike was talking about a second ago, it, more of a dressing room of kind of uh, shouting yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. I get the sense that this lot just like going out for a cup of tea together. Okay, dogs for a I can. I just got like Connor Chaplin and Wes Burns. Who, uh, I don't. I don't know why, but I can't. Obviously, Sam Morsey is the leader of this of mm. the of the dressing room. Clearly, he's the captain. We know that. But I, I, I kind of think of Wes Burns and Connor Chaplin of being like the the beating heart of it, like the the soul almost. Yeah. And I could just. I think they just. I can picture them just going out and having a coffee together and just being relaxed. Um, I don't think they're blokes at all. It's, um, they're just all very good at football. Yeah. I also, I mean, I must admit, I also think, I mean, went to the Peterborough game on Saturday and it was a pretty average first half by town and it was a pretty good second half by town. In fact, it was a very decent second half by town. I'd like to have been in that dressing room and see Kieran McKenna walk in there. I don't, you know, he's not, he, there's no way would he not be worried about raising his voice or just up in the tempo or just saying it as it is, you know, he's not going to start throwing things around F and blood. I can't imagine, but he, I can imagine him going in and quite happily. I mean, I'm not there, so I don't know. Perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm completely, this is complete rubbish, but I don't think it is. I imagine him quietly going there. So this is, that was just not good enough. That was not good enough. You know, I can, he's not, we're, we're sort of painting him as sort of a, a perfect little saint who sort of, and, and there's lots about him that is just, just great. But he's got an edge to him as well. Don't you fret yourself. Oh, he, he 100%. Yeah. 
He hasn't, come from Manchester. he hasn't come from Manchester United and been with Solskjaer and all the players around. You, you know, you've got to have an edge to you. And he's got that. But he directs it probably, I would suggest again, at the right times. And that's that's the secret. The secret is not if you're gonna blow your blow your head off it for everything, it becomes all becomes irrelevant. No one takes any notice anymore. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I, the, there is definitely an edge there, and what I, what people have also said to me about about Kieran is that not only is there an edge there, he's also incredibly good at saying nothing. Yeah. Where, at, the, at the times where actually nothing needs to be said, mm. he, he's very good at that. Um, mm. You don't always have to. You don't always have to make your opinion known with um, with words, do you? Um, there is a time for there's a time to say nothing and he's very very good at that by all accounts and mm. i think in sam morsey he has got the absolute partner he's got his on pitch go back to bobby robson and mick mills mick mills was bobby robson's manager for 10 for captain for 10 years matt holland george you have to have these george burley matt holland you have to have these these and sam morsey and kieran mckenna i think is a great partnership i think he really relies on sam on that pitch sam's hugely respected by the rest of the players and we, we see sam morsey really giving it to some of the players sometimes on that pitch. But that's his role. Um, Kieran, you know, Kieran respects and likes that. Um, so he's got these little combinations as well, which just seem to be clicking lovely. Mm. There's a really nice picture after the Peterborough game um, from just the on, the on pitch kind of celebrations of, of Kieran McKenna and Sam Morsey together. And you obviously say uh, like a picture can paint a thousand words, but you don't, you didn't need any of the words, just no. like, just the, the, the body language and the mannerisms with them that they are really, they're mm. really tight. There's a lot of trust there. M- Morsi is bought into McKenna, um, yeah, incredibly well. And and in Morsi, McKenna is inherited because he inherited these players. The vast majority of these mm. players, remember, he's inherited someone who who can drive his standards. McKenna's mm. all about standards. He's a Ipswich are in League One. Um, and he fully recognises that Ipswich are in League One, but he's got Premier League standards. I think that mm. we we know that he's come from Manchester United. His standards are going to be sky high. And mm. in Sam Morsi, he's got someone who, though he's never played in the Premier League, I think Sam Morsi approaches his game in that in that way. Um, mm. So they're they're a great a great pair. It's fascinating listening to. I mean, we talk about McKenna being cerebral, don't we? And and his approach to the game being analytical and intellectual, but and Morsey on the pitch can obviously has that emotion and that edge to him. But equally, the way you, you hear Morsey talk about the process and it's not about the end result; it's about every day doing what you should be doing, and the process will come. And just having faith in that. And all there's, we've seen Morsey carrying around books on leadership, haven't we, and things like that, which. Again, you, you in days gone by, blood and thunder captains of days gone by, you can't imagine them sitting down and reading books about how to be a leader and that kind of thing. So it's that whole approach, isn't it? I, w- I would say, for me, one of the things that impressed me most about McKenna was the way he approached Danny Cowley's comments um, post-Portsmouth. And it would have been easy just to come out and give that both barrels of full emotion and, you know, this, that and the other, and effing, you know, maybe some something like Paul Cook would have done back in the day. But the fact that he, he took what had been said and almost kind of took it down point by point and ended with the mm. fact of comparing the two sides championship experience. Someone somewhere had done that. He knew exactly what experience was in the team and how that compared to Portsmouth and crucially that Portsmouth had the most experience. So the argument was wrong. Mm. And but he, instead of just going, ah, he kind of went up. Oh, yep. This, that, that look at this. And it was actually like a point by point takedown, mm. a really cerebral analytical way of, of taking apart those comments. 
Well, that was another example of of him sitting on the podium and reading Danny Cowley's comments. Yeah. But he'd have read those comments. I think they were Friday morning or something before mm. before that game. He would have been well aware of them going into the game. Um, but he sat and read them on the on the podium with a little smile on his face. Um, read them on the podium before we started that that press conference just to make sure that he was he was right in in what he was about to about to refer to i we've talked about this press conference quite a lot that what that particular one i i really liked it just because it, it i i didn't even realize that i needed to be kind of reminded of this but it but it just showed me just how much manchester united assistant kieran mckenna had bought into ipswich town um mm. and that he was an ipswich town person now um probably didn't really need to be reminded that i knew that anyway but it was quite a nice little uh little marker of a of a man who's very much invested in um in something that he's made a really good start on. Hmm. Okay, we're coming up to half an hour. Let's finish this off then, Hutchie. Um just in summary, what would you what would you say that McKenna's main achievements have been of his first year and what would you say in terms of the next year is are his big challenges? Well we've already talked about improving players. I think that's a massive a massive thing. And with and with that um He's taken Ipswich from mid-table in League One to the top of the table in mm. a year. Just and you, you you ran off all the all the stats at the beginning. They're great. Um, identity has been built, um, which is great, and that and that gives Ipswich a real solid footing to fight for this promotion on now. So I, I just think in his first year, just to be so self-assured and to have done things his way, and for his way to have been successful in the first year. Um, is massive for him and his future career. He'll look back on this first 12 months, at it, whatever he goes on and does. Like Mike says, hopefully three, four years down the line, that's still at Ipswich Town. Um, but he'll look back on this first year as, as being so, so important for his mm. for his managerial career. Managerial career because he's, you know, he they battled their way through it. it. It wasn't always smooth in the first six months. It's not always been smooth in the second six months. But they've stuck to their own processes. And and they've got Ipswich to the top of the table. And then moving on to your second point, I think quite quite clearly the challenge for the first twelve month the next twelve months, sorry, is is to get up and um for us to be sat here talking about a second anniversary where Ipswich are a are a competitive championship team. I think that's 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 gotta be it for twelve the next twelve months, hasn't it, Mike? Yeah, I think so. Andy, absolutely. And I think the the thing is what 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 makes me pledge for somebody who's again watch from the Bobby Robson days this guy this guy really is a breath of fresh air there has you know the last decade has been so just seems to have a stream of the same type of managers if you don't you know to be fair big Mick McCarthy he did some good stuff at times but it's mm. been that type of manager one after the after after and this and Kieran McKenna's come in we've all gone who the hell is this you know and he's completely transformed all our thoughts on him and even management you know we, even management we, we just haven't had this type of management for for ages you know for a decade or more um so great i mean yeah i, I just i just i hope he'll stay i'd like to think he'll stay for a, for a few years this is a great opportunity this is a grub this is a big club and a great opportunity for kieran mckenna it's a great opportunity for ipswich town but it's a big opportunity for kieran mckenna as well to really he doesn't have to suddenly fly off in the sunset at his age he's got he can have as many years here as he likes to do well um if he does well so yeah well on, on that note clearly as we talk about mckenna we also have to say credit to mark ashton for plucking someone out of the blue who was a gamble. There's no doubt about it. That's a gamble for his first managerial appointment and this new regime. And it's worked out very well indeed. But Hutchie, Mike's touched on it there. He doesn't have to go. As McKenna, 
gets more and more successful and it takes town hopefully from league one into championship and continues that build the vultures are going to be circling and, and they are. you know a kind of trendy new age cerebral intellectual manager look what he's built at town hasn't he done well he's improved the players everything we talked about they're gonna be coming with their checkbooks going Mwah. and he's also going to be linked to every job going so uh, how how much does that concern you <laughs> You have to think about it. I don't think it can. It doesn't concern me because you have to just think of the reasons. Why is Kieran McKenna here in the first place? He, it would have been very, very easy for Kieran McKenna to stay at, at Manchester United um, under Ralph Rangnick. Whether he would have stayed around under Eric Ten Hag, we don't know. But someone like Kieran McKenna would have easily moved into another Premier League club, even if in a top academy role. Big, he could have stayed at the very top end of the game. But he's picked, he's picked Ipswich Town for a reason, and that reason is the ownership, uh, the size of the club, its potential, and also Mark Ashton. And and as long, I think as long as, as long as that potential and as long as that ambition remains at Ipswich, um, I think he'll stay here. Because if the grass isn't always greener, um, you can jump out of somewhere where, as, as long as Ipswich have got that potential and are moving forward and can take McKenna forward, mm. I don't see why he wouldn't want to be at, at the head of that ship. Um, because you could easily go to somewhere like, I don't know, let's say Brighton. Doesn't work for four months, you're out. Mm. It, I, I I think he'll be just as careful with his second job as he was with his first. And the first port of call will be our Ipswich Town meeting my needs. And as long as as long as the club is, and I don't see why they won't be, they just need to be keep moving forward. They the the crucial thing is to get out of League One, and then you can start. I think the the ownership can then really start to do what they were came to Ipswich Town to do, and we'll see what they are as a Championship club. But. I don't have too many concerns right now about about that with Kieran McKenna. He's still got a lot to do, um, a lot to do here, and I think he'll be here for a little while, for a little while yet. I like it. Thanks, Hutchie. That made me feel better. Mike, any any other points on McKenna? Um, we've we've covered a lot of ground there in half an hour. We've got plenty of, plenty more to do on the show. Anything else you want to finish with on McKenna? Um, not really. No. Um, other than to say that it's been it has been a, a very good first year. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's it, you know he'll he'll be the first one to say he's achieved nothing yet. And, and he hasn't. Um, we need to get out of this league, League One. Mm. The crux will come if we don't get out of League One this year. If we suddenly swear to slip in the playoffs and lose in the playoffs, because once you're in the playoffs, it's a nightmare. Um, but that doesn't detract from anything. I still think he'll he'll, he'll stay here and, and build again. You know. But so look, I, I I I just think it's an exciting time. He's the best. He's the best manager I've seen here for a long time, and the most exciting, potentially exciting manager I've seen for a long time. And I'll be. I can go back to the 1930s. So. You know that's um, that's a long time. <laughs> Our own Benjamin Button there, Mike Bacon. So uh, first year is in the books. I think everyone would. There's no way you could argue it's not been a great first year of management for Kieran McKenna. Second year, the difficult second year coming up now. So let's hope he, he smashes it as much as he did the first year. And this time next year, we're sitting here talking about town being in the championship and pushing towards the top of the championship. Right then, friends, we've got mailbag now. Um, our friend Roscoe is meant to be joining us. He's just been doing Meet the Oppo for, uh, for Wickham. And he has appeared at the bottom of the screen. He's just turned his camera off. So I don't know what that means. Oh, he's back. Here we go. Let's bring Roscoe in now. Friend, how are you? I'm very well. How are you all? You all doing good? 
yeah, we just had an excellent chat about Kieran McKenna. You've just been having a chat about Wiccan, which we get onto obviously as we end the show. Um, things going well in your in your world, Rossi? Yes, I'm going to point the obvious. It's bloody cold, but it's what it is. Um, I've not done it yet. I've not put the heating on. It's yeah, you've, you've not put the heating it. on at all. Well, well, I have, but I haven't. If you know what I mean, like it's yeah. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> no, I've contradicted myself right there. Um, I'm doing the sensible thing. It's on for like 15 minutes and then straight away off when I feel like yeah, I'm a bit warm. But I just just put jumpers on, put some, you know, my nan knitted a nice little thing. Here, oh, wow. So. That is a jumper and yeah. a half. That's like a mustard. Or, or it's not Yeah, it's not a jumper. It's a, like a... Oh, it's a blanket. A blanket. A blanket. blanket. Oh, yeah. you've got your little blanket. That's lovely. Just yeah. like Hutchie's got a little blanket. Um, yeah. Hutchie, you're the king of the of the thermostat. We've often talked about this. What's your, what's going on in your, what's going on in your house? Because you if you've got it set a steady because you've often told me heating's always on here, just at a steady level. Is that is that the approach you're taking? Is this cold stuff? Um, uh, generally, yeah, yeah. That's my uh, that's I, I when I, when it's just me in the house, I tend to not not have it on so much. I've, I'm a blanket man, like Ross. Um, but but when our daughter's home, we make sure we make sure it's on at a steady. What's the right what's, what's the right number for those looking for an insight at this time? Did you just can I just the king of the thermostat? Yep. That... That's, yeah, absolutely. That's your thing now. <laughs> um 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Bloody Bloody mine's on 25. <laughs> mine's on 25 with boiler. I've got I've got my shorts on under here. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's like being in Spain in my house. Mike refuses to be cold in his own house. And why why should he? Because he's a, a published author on top of many other things. Thank right you. then, let's move on, shall we? King of the thermostat. You're also king of the mailbag intro, Hutchie. Um, do you want to whack one out, so to speak, and we can get on with mailbag? <laughs> would be my absolute pleasure <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Goodness me. I know. Uh, <laughs> Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark, Andy, Ross, and Mike to dip into the mailbag. Fantastic. Right then, we want video questions for for mailbag friends. We're getting we're getting some in, but we're not getting enough in. Don't be shy. All you got to do, film yourself in landscape, email it across to me, mark.heath at newsquest.co.uk. You may have to we transfer it if it's a big old question, but that's no problem. It's dead simple. Uh, and then it means you can feature on the show, which is exactly what our friend Sindre did. And this, Hutchie, I think is essentially just for you. So let's bring in Sindre Lyson over in Norway with his question. And it's quite a long one because it features shots of his environment, which are quite apt for this time of year. Good afternoon, boys. It's uh, Sindre Eliasson from freezing Norway. I just went outside in my T-shirt. It's 2 a.m. in the morning. But you're getting used to these conditions when you're brought up in this area. Anyway, my question for you is how much money would you take or where's the threshold in terms of money paid to go and cover a football team in the northernmost parts of Norway, Finland, Sweden, Greenland, whatever, for a whole year? You can bring no family, only books, movies, music, TV series, whatever. For a whole year, you're stuck in... Conditions like this and blizzards and 20, 30 Celsius minus negative every day. No sun at all. What's your threshold? And thank you so much 
for the podcast. It's uh, really entertaining, especially when the days are dark and miserable. There he goes. Yeah, I think he was just cut off in his prime there. He had a, a minute on his, on his timer, I believe. Um, so, Hutchie, there, for, for those not watching, that was Sindre in Norway, and he was showing us the sort of snow that if we had in this country, it would bring the country to its knees. Nothing would happen ever. Waist-deep kind of snow. No sun at all this time of year. So, Hutchie, what, how much would, would you have to be paid? Bearing in mind this is your natural environment. This is where you'd probably want to be in the cold. Uh, but you'd have to go there without your family and cover a team in those in those conditions. That sounds like an incredible life experience to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd do it for cover cover my expenses, and I'd do that. Born yeah, lodging, born, yeah. That sounds no, incredible. No family for a year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. Um, it sounds like an amazing life experience. Because we look at that and you think, you look at that, especially this time of year, all that snow, and you think, wow, that looks great, fantastic. But I get that, I bet that gets old pretty bloody quickly in terms of living in a day to day life and not seeing the sun. Mike, you're a noted lover of the sun. Could could any amount of money get you to move out there, ditch the family, and 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 rock up in snow covered Norway for a year to cover a football side there? Well, when you said any amount of money there, um, which is the answer, of course, is yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> um, um, I could quite easily. I'm actually a bit of a skier as well, uh, Heath. Ah, you know, okay. you know, I actually won a, I won a medal once when I went skiing to Lavinio in Italy um, on the downhill. So I like a bit of snow. I do like the sun. I like extremes, you see. Struggle with this country is it's so dull. It's either mild and wet or it's, I like I like freezing. And what's he doing out at two in the morning, by the way? That's a very strange time to be recorded, but wonderful. I thought it was a wonderful question. Um, what's his name again? Sorry, I've got his name again. Sin- Sindre. Sindre, fantastic question. Love that. Brilliant question. I like a bit of snow and I quite a bit. I go, go there for the for the wage I'm on now, quite frankly. Um, you know, 400 grand and with expenses, <laughs> I would happily cover North, 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 Norway, United Rovers, whoever they are. Um, but I, I, I quite like it. I'd go. Yeah. Sounds Excellent. great. Have a great time. And you say no family. No family. So perfect, I don't know if that's a, a plus or minus. Yeah. Peace, peace and quiet. Lovely. Fantastic. Rossi, um, you're obviously training now for Norway by not putting your heating on. Um yeah. would you do you fancy a bit of that? Yeah, why not? Find the next Erland Haaland, you know, and all that. I don't know I don't know how often that happens in, in one country to have one massive superstar. But um no, I've been to Norway before and it's really nice. So yeah, I'll take it. For a year. There we go. Not too bad. I'd love it. I, I really one of my things that I, I've yet to visit that I really want to go to is the Norwegian fjord. So look amazing. Um so yeah, I have been to Norway, Christian Sand, I believe it was. Lovely little place on on the on the coast there. Uh, but I'd very much like to see more of it. So thanks for that, Sindre. Next up is a friend of the show, Nigel G, the man with the fish. Morning, Kings. If you could choose a celebrity to do the pitch side announcement at Portman Road, who would it be? And by the way, Andy, it's a carp, not a bass. It's a bass. <laughs> right then, so Nigel G. One of our, our, our kind of listeners from day one of this, um, and thanks for your support, Nigel. Merry Christmas to you. Um, if you could have a celebrity announcer for Ipswich Town, who would it be, Mike? So someone steps in for Foz, who, who would you pick? I would, um, I'd like to see Tyson Fury there, to be honest. I think, <laughs> I think Tyson would be out, outrageous, especially if Morecambe were here. Um, obviously, that's, that's his, where he lives and that's his team. But when so Morecambe at home, um, I think Tyson Fury would make an outstanding announcer. Um, he'd really give it some. Um, as long as, and also that guy from the who guy who does the darts. 
Um, he was at Portman Road, actually, given his 180, was he? He's actually, he's done that already. He's fantastic. Um, but uh, Tyson, yeah, I'll go for Tyson Fury. That's a great shout. You get you get songs as well with Tyson Fury. You'd be calling <laughs> yes, everyone. Get a half-time half -time song. You're big dosser, you're big sausage, you're all that big, kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I like that. Uh, Roscoe, can you, uh, can you improve on the uh, lineal heavyweight champion of the world? Well, you know, you know the obvious one, my girl Rihanna, of course. Um, but no, that's, that's just silly every time. I, I, that's, that's losing its appeal now. You know, I've said that too many times. Um, we, someone who's got a really good voice, um, or like someone who's like you know just to worry the opposition, like Liam Neeson. You know, oh, you know, find you know the, the phrase he puts out there. I can't think of the top of my head, but yeah, him. Why not Liam Neeson? Uh, yeah. Hutchie, can you improve on Tyson Fury, Liam Neeson, or indeed Rihanna? Uh, it's between two, yeah, for me. Um, there's one very obvious one, I'll get to her in a minute. Um, but the bloke who does the uh announcing at Staples Center or wherever it's called now, Cryptocurrency Arena for the yeah. Lakers, um, I don't know what his name is, but I really like his voice, it's deadpan. Um, it's it's great. Um, I'd have him. Well, the obvious one, I think, is probably Alison Hammond. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is that obvious? She'd she'd be um she'd she'd bring a different approach approach to. I'm staggered that Alison Hammond is still going in the uh, in the world of television, given given her where where she came from from Big Brother. But I, I think it's time she stepped up into the world of sports. Um. If you look at the Big Brother yeah. alumni, she's certainly top of the class, isn't she, in terms of uh, career forged from it. Um, and, yeah, she would certainly be enthusiastic. If you're asking me, and Nigel, I assume you are, I'm having The Rock. That would be <laughs> tremendous pitch side, giving Very it all. Good. Finally, The Rock has come back to Portman Road, all that kind of business. Or, obviously, Michael Buffer, the let's get ready to rumble guy. That would also... Is he still pumping. all right? He had throat cancer, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he okay? wasn't. He wasn't very well. I think he's doing okay again now. Um, but obviously, that phrase, that "let's get ready to rumble" mm. phrase, one of the most iconic in sports. That would be great to be belted out pitch side at Portman Road before a and, game. And his heart, am I right? Is it his half brother? Bruce, is that? Yeah, he, is he it does a half brother who does the UFC? He does the UFC. Yeah. So between them, they've cornered the world of MCing in combat sports and doing very well for themselves. Right then. Thanks for video questions. More of those, please um, do send them in. Let's get to the traditional way of answering questions for those who may be a bit shy. Friends, appear on the show with us. That's what we want. Right then, first off, Tom Bain says, this is for Andy. You've taken the Kings to classic football shirts, which is where you took a bunch of us in Manchester, and you're gifting them each a football shirt. The shadowy news quest figures are paying. All kits available. What are we getting? What are, what are the gents getting? Mike's is very obvious. I know you discussed this with Stu, I think, on, mm -hmm. on Mondays. Um, Mike, I'll get you that that Hull shirt with Robertson 3 on the back. that yes. you. Thank you. We, we took a little trip to a football shirt emporium in Manchester recently. And um, for some reason, that captured your imagination. So um, why were you, you so, Why were you so interested in that shirt? It was like a, oh. a, a standard shirt. Listen, Robertson, right? Obviously, we talk about the Liverpool, as we all know him, Andy Liverpool Robertson, because he used yeah. to be at Hull, you see. And there's the Hull number three shirt with Hull, with Robertson on the back before he was famous. I think it's wonderful. That's my shirt. I'd love that shirt. Thank you, Andrew. I'll take that. Okay. That, that, I, will, I will get you that. Like, Are you also interested in one of his shirts from, like, say, for example, Dundee United? 
if I could find you that, would you be up for that? Queen's has, Park when he played for them? As long as it's got number three on the back. <clears throat> okay. We can we can work with that. Um Mark, I'd probably get you uh a Derby shirt when when they were used to be sponsored by Puma Puma King. Yes. On the front. Um yeah. makes me think of Dean Sturridge. Um can, can I have one Wancha play on the back? Paolo Wancha play, the best player who yeah. ever played the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Costa Rica's finest. Yeah. Ross, uh, Ross County shirt, probably. Or yes. Nap- Napoli are your Italian team, aren't they? I know you love Bella Napoli um, in, in Ipswich, but I'd get you, I'd push the, <laughs> I'd, I'd push the boat out for you, mate, and I'd get you a. Uh, not that um, Christmas one. Not that Christmas oh, one. Absolutely not horrendous. Oh, they've, they've, uh, they've got lost within themselves yeah. in the world of kits these days, Napoli. <laughs> but I'd get you a classic, classic one, a, a Maradona one with Ooh. Mars. With Mars on it, I'd push the boat out. Nice. I'd push the boat out for you. Um, yeah. What, what's Stewie getting? Anything with Duncan Ferguson on the back? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any Duncan Ferguson shirt? Right then, Mike. This one is, is I reckon, probably best asked to you. Tom wants to know a prime Genoi Danasian, the Denaisons, or Fabian Wilness. Well, either or the best. Yeah. Who would you pick? Well, I'm afraid there's only one there. I'm afraid, and it's not going to be the one the current. ITFC army want it's at the fab fab is the man fab wellness i'm afraid he was extra i mean Donassi's doing very well don't get me wrong no it's fab all day long what a fabulous player he was and uh oh the goal against man united in the premier league those celebrations that day that or was that night wasn't it that night portman road was rocking thanks to fab he didn't like norwich either that was even better he's the one who said none of those norwich players would get in our squad before before a big local derby fantastic stuff came out of the right lines I love JD. It's doing brilliant. But Fab's your man. Okay. Uh, Robin Harper is a football one, Hutchie. I'm going to aim it at you because you've written something about it recently. He says, do we need to find the mythical 20-goal striker next month? There's some talk of Posh's mercurial Johnson, Clark, Harris. In the King's opinion, would he A, fit into the K-money ethos and B, be a measurable upgrade on troops already in the building? You wrote something yesterday about Connor Chaplin opining that perhaps the 20-goal striker is already in the building in, in Mr. Chaplin. Um, but how about Johnson Clark Harris? We talked about him a lot, and he would be a very sexy signing. But would he fit, and would he be enough of an upgrade? I think he would. Um, I think you'd have to, you you would accept that he is a penalty box threat. Um, he, in terms of, quite, he he won't bring you um, too much outside the box. He's not he's not going to be closing people down. He's not going to be doing that side of things. But I. I as a different threat and a different option, he's a goal scorer, a pure goal scorer. He can finish with his feet, finish with his head. Um, and he's got an incredible scoring record in League One. Uh, whether they go for him or not, um, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be surprised. I think, um, but I think he, yeah, he of course, hundred percent would add something to the team. He didn't have a great game on Saturday, but that, that there are, you know, there are. He's a player that relies on service, um, mm. and I think if you think back to like the Cheltenham and the Fleetwood um, games at, at Portman Road, um, I'd have backed him to score a goal, which would make the difference in those games. I think he'd be an expensive difference maker, um, but he would be a difference maker. Okay, let us know what you think about that, Mark Beck. And this is a question I think is probably going to be best answered by Roscoe and Mike, although I certainly have my thoughts as well. Rossi, is that a giraffe I see, by the way, just edging into screen? Your yeah. Favorite, your favourite animal? Yeah, what, what is that? Is that some kind of wooden ornament? Yeah, once again, a, a, a present for 
from a family member. I prefer it's, it's a it's a fan look, it's a family of drafts. Oh wow. So you got you got this one. That's the that's the mum, that's the dad, and then you got little little oh god. Oh baby one here. <laughs> don't so, let yeah. them don't let those wooden ornaments near Watson and his naked flames. That that could yes. be a disaster. Also Definitely. please, it's not a return of your quite frankly unnerving pillow cushion with your face. No, that's, that's, that's in the bedroom. That's in the bedroom. Right <laughs> oh, hey, of course it is, yeah. Um right then. Mark wants to know, Roscoe. What Christmas tune do you love and what Christmas tune can't you stand? So your favourite Christmas song and the one that you immediately go, turn that shite off as it comes on the radio. I'm not really the biggest Christmas song fan, but I'll, I'll, I'll play, I'll play. Um, now, Good. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is it's a bit of a sad song, really, but I, re- I don't know why I love it. I always sing it every year. Last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas, I gave you a heart. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, but then... The ones I don't like, I know this is, this is controversial and some people may turn off or maybe mute my, this section, but Michael Bublé, overrated. Oh, just saying. Just contra- saying. Controversial. Very, Mr. very much himself, so. Mickey Bubbles. Uh, I've had uh, nothing. Okay, so you're you're kicking Bublé into the bin and you're, you're yeah. very much having Last Christmas by Wham, which I think, Mike, knowing what I know about you, would be your answer for your favourite as well, wouldn't it? Well, he, he, do you know what? You're absolutely right. Me and the Roscoe man, there might be 60 years between us in age, but uh, we're actually spot on. Last Christmas by Wham! is the best video. It's the best melody Christmas song you'll ever listen to. Absolutely wonderful. George Michael is absolute peak. Andrew Ridgey doing absolutely nothing as usual, but he did get to make the pair. <laughs> what a fantastic song. Absolutely brilliant. Um, great video. Look at the video. The video is the best. The video is just fantastic. Um, so that'd be my choice. Fairy Tale of New York, of course, be up there as well, but we're not allowed to listen to it too much for reasons we can't go into. Um, and therefore, the, anyway, going back to um, anything. What about the like, worst? Uh, worst. What do you go Worst. Back? Well, I'll tell you what the worst. Anything before 19, uh, before 2000, uh, anything after 2000, after, so okay. it's all been rubbish. Um, yep. Anything by Mariah Carey, please. As soon as Mariah oh. Carey always comes on a Christmas song, Oh, that is, that is very controversial, Mike. Very well, I'm controversial sorry, indeed. Um, Andrew Richley, yeah, he was a passenger, wasn't he, in, in those in those He was a great days. passenger, mind you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Hotchi, I know you've got a quite eclectic taste in music, so you're probably going to say something weird. But have you got have you got any thoughts? I also know you don't like what you call novelty songs. So I'd assume all Christmas songs are, are nasty to your ears. I I can't pretend that I like any of them with any sort of passion. There's one that I I hate the most though, if you're interested. Mm. I cannot stand Fairy Tale of New York. Oh, okay. I I, I, I that's by far my least favourite of all of all of them. It's not it's not big. It's not clever. It's just not just not wow. into it. This is wow. interesting. My my favourites would be um, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Love that. Uh, very much, I was about 13, I think, when Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas came out. It was played at all the kind of school events where you, you were being an awkward young man trying to get on the dance floor with, with girls. Um, so that reminds me very much of that era. Obviously, I've never been awkward. Um, but yeah, that's a great song. Uh, and in terms of ones that I turn off, uh, what do I turn off? Um, I think Mike's right. And it, I don't think there's been a good Christmas song made after about 1995. No. Um, I was having a chat with my wife about this the other day and there isn't, I think it's done. None of them stick, do they? None, none of the ones that you would put as a Christmas classic have been made in the modern, the modern, the modern times. era. Yeah. They don't stick. They're, they're, they're throwaway. They come and they go. 
there's some great um, there's some great Motown Christmas songs as well. One Little Christmas Tree, Stevie Wonder. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's fantastic. And obviously, Johnny Mathis, When a Child is Born. Yeah. That, that, my friends, is a Christmas song. Anyway, I'm digressing now. I'm getting excited. Um, let's, let's have a football one, uh, which obviously comes to you, Hutchie. Craig, do you think it's possible that any championship slash Premier League teams will be sniffing around any of our players in January? If so, who is it and um, what chance do you think there is of them leaving? Sniffing, maybe. Gobbling up, I would say probably not. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure who that would who that would be. There will be players that have admirers in there. I'm sure. Sort of championship teams will already be aware of people like I don't know Leif Davis. Um, but I, I I don't know. No, I can't. I actually can't. I, I think they'll probably look at Ipswich and see a team that's that's happy. Um, don't need to sell. Um, but also not willing to go absolutely ridiculous with the money to push Ipswich to sell. So no. I, I would, I would say it's not. I, I don't think we're going to be concerning ourselves with that during January too much. Can I say right now, I hate the January transfer window. Me too. I'll leave it at that. Um, Stuart Clark wants to know. Ross, I'm going to come to you first. Says which of the kings would win the following TV programs? SAS Who Dares wins. Britain's Got Talent. Strictly Come Dancing, and one from my era, Superstars, which you probably don't even know what that is, Ross. Superstars, but basically back in the day, used to take sporting. Um, figures and they'd compete against each other in kind of general sporting challenges so like chin-ups push-ups um elbows to bar racing on bikes running around a track general sporting tests they would they would compete against each other in to find the best overall athlete i guess was the idea so um i've got to say in terms of this my money would be on you for uh strictly dancing no, I'm, go- I'm going mike i'm going mike mm, well, me too. Mike's, yeah. well, as a dancer because I've, I've, I've got Mike down for Britain's Got Talent winner. What's his? Yeah. What's What's your talent on Britain's Got Talent, Mike? Dancing. If you, <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd en- you'd enter strictly as the one at the beginning. That I think, well, well, he's not going to be very good, is he? Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll go, yeah. Well, he'll he'll be out in the first two weeks. But no, I think you'll have good posture, good hips. You keep your arms up, good arm. You have got to keep a good line, and I think you'll um. And I think you'd be fantastic. I went to a oh. wedding on Saturday. I went to a wedding on Saturday and I was complimented on my drum and bass dancing. There you go. <laughs> what exactly does drum and bass dancing look like, Mike? Well, it's just a lot of noise and a lot of a DJ was spinning all this stuff. And I was just, whoa, you know, I, to be fair, I'd had nine, nine, I had nine pints of Heineken. So I mean, it didn't, it didn't You help. had seven of them at Portman Road, Mike, and it was, <laughs> it was slightly embarrassing. I was... <laughs> Also, okay, so old Snake Hips Bacon wins Strictly Come Dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wins Britain's Got Talent with a, I'd say, edgy and, and borderline stand-up comedy routine. Um, so that just leaves us SAS and uh, Superstars. I'm saying Watson for SAS. Yeah, yes. Because Definitely. Uh, I hate swimming and I can't stand heights, <laughs> which are two kind of big parts of that show, so I'd be terrible at it. But Watson, I think, quite enjoys particularly heights. So I'd go him. Hutchie, you, you know what I bet than any of us. What are you saying? I've never seen an, a single second of SAS. Duh! So, I, so, I actually, I, so I don't know if he's suited to that or not. But I know he watches it and he likes it. So he knows the show, which um, might help him. I think Watson would back himself. Uh, and then I'm, I'm putting myself down to win superstars. Yeah. As long as there, there's no, no um, element of it that involves using your knees. 
because right now I've been I've been serious problems with that. What you mean? Like fully, you, don't, you don't need knees. A fully fit Heath, I think, takes superstars. Anyway, um, let's move on. Where are we? Uh, Carl Fuller wants to know fa- uh, a fellow published author, Mike Carl Fuller. Yes. What one realistic present are you hoping Santa will leave under your tree this year, Mike? What is on the man who has everything? Mm. He's got uh, two careers. He's got two homes. He's aging in reverse. What what more could Mike Bacon want? Well, there's two things I'd like, really, uh, Heathy. One would be a new weed whacker um, from Manscaped. <laughs> yes. uh, 20% yes. off if you put KOA discount in. Um, um, so I need one of them just, just, just to tidy things up a little bit. And also, I'd quite like a one-hour uh, tutorial uh, DVD on uh, SEO optimization from Ginger Pickle. Um, of course, if you want your ginger pickled, pickle ginger pickle. Um, sponsors of our course of King's Anglia podcast were wonderful Tony Southgate and his crew. I'd be quite happy to have one of those under my tree. I opened up for an hour's tutorial to uh, optimize my optimizations. Excellent. Um, I don't think we need to ask anyone else. That's the perfect answer, Mike. Well done. Thank you. That's exactly that's what everyone should want under their tree. A Manscaped product and a one-hour SEO tutorial from Ginger Pickle. Um, right then, uh, let's stick on the Christmas theme. Oh, no, let's do this one. Roscoe, five aside. Matt Chambers wants to know, not the Matt Chambers we work with, out of the current squad, who makes your five-a-side team? You can include yourself and in what role you'd play. So if you're picking a five-a-side team from the current town squad, who are you having? Um, you did I send think, this over, but I haven't actually I think, done any. Yeah. I think you've got to have Sonny Alu- Sean Aluko, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Five side team with his he's not in mine. He's not. Ooh, he's not in okay. mine. Okay. All right. Well, Connor Chapman's take... in mine. Yeah. Let's... Shall we go to the boys, Ross? Because you've obviously not thought about this. Whereas they've got yeah. teams. <laughs> Hutchie, do you want to give us your side? Yeah. Before I do, can I just say that the other thing that people should want under their Christmas tree is a copy of this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thirty-eight yes. sleeps by by Michael Bacon. Not to be confused with Mike Bacon, who appears on the podcast. Different person. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, Get get this under your Christmas tree. My five aside team. Um, I'll go in goal. Do I have to play? I don't really want to. You don't have to play. No, I'll I'll probably pick Christian Walton then. Um, He would fill a five aside goal, wouldn't he? All things considered, he's probably better than me. Walton, (laughs) Walton. Then my outfield four are Morsi, Davis, Chaplin, John Jules. Any kind of. Working out there, um, John Jules could be the a bit of power, but also with guile, touch, uh, just good footballer. Fullbacks always make good five-a-side players. Leaf Davis in there, run all day, up and down. Good can be the defender, the one defender. Uh, Morsi, you have to have, um, and and Chaplin will just score bucket loads of goals in five-a-side. Mike, what, what's your side then? Uh, my five side is um, in no particular order: uh, Walton, Chaplin, Davis, Bacon, and Burns. Bacon in there, fantastic. What role would you play? I'm Mike? playing. I thought you meant your son. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. What, me. Me. So in that side, that glittering selection of stars, Mike, which you're yes. in, obviously captain, I assume. What yes. What role would you play? Well, I'm I'm going to be striker, and I'm, okay. I'm going to. Well, I've got Davis at fullback, you see. Chaplin will run the middle of the park. And Burns, I'll stick him out wide. But I'll be in the box, you see. And I'll, sh- I'll say, look, this is how I'll be showing you how to finish. I mean, Chaplin obviously... You're not allowed in the box. <laughs> well, you're not allowed in the box. No, but you know what I mean. I'll be round the box area. So um, I won't be doing much tracking back either, to be perfect. You'll be that not annoying... in the box. That yeah. annoying guy who literally just circles, hangs. just hangs on the edge of the area, just looking for feeding on scraps and doesn't track back at all. The goal um, hangs. 
the goal hanger. Yeah, Rossi, have you uh, any further thoughts? Well, I'm putting actually good old Tony Southgate in goal. Um, wow, okay. He's played five sides, decent keeper. Liam from Cruz, good keeper as well. Um, so is Christian Walton, just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to be on the sidelines ready to be in action. So Tony Southgate in goal. Then Luke Wolferden, obvious one. Connor Chaplin, Shawnee Luco. And you know what? Out of the blue, Tawanda Chihuahua. Oh, ah. He's a good, good, yeah, good lad. Good player. Baller. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, there's one more. Just before we move on, boys, there's one more question from our bag. But have we got any other products to push? We've done Manscaped, we've done Ginger Picker, we've done Mike's book. Hutchie, have you got anything you've put out this year you want to promote as a, as a Christmas present? Roscoe, uh, no. have you got, a, you got a line of beard oil or anything you want to uh, push? Any tie up with Adidas? Anything like that? I've got loads of giraffes. <laughs> right, the final question comes from the sweet, the sweetest of Welsh princes. Harvey Davis, which is what's the most overrated and underrated item on a Christmas dinner? I think we talk about this every year, but I like talking about it um, because it gets me fired up for the Christmas dinner. Um, <laughs> Hutchie, what's the most overrated and underrated item on a Christmas dinner? Most underrated item is a parsnip. Oh, no. um, the most overrated part overrated item is a pig in blanket it's just a sausage with some bacon around it don't get so excited you have them all year round just calm I, down i have thoughts but i'll keep my uh my thoughts in check until we go around the room roscoe what are you saying if you're watching on video i was i was agreeing with, with hutchie um definitely parsnips i've um yeah really love them and overrated <laughs> i haven't really I, don't, I haven't got one to be honest i like everything about the christmas dinner so oh, no, actually, to be fair, actually no stuffing. Not the biggest fan of stuffing. I don't mind it, but I won't. You know, I won't. Yeah, there we go. Okay, Mike doesn't like um, Ross. Doesn't like stuffing. Mike, what have you? Right, well, it's quite it's quite easy really. This, but having seen more Christmases than all you lot combined, I can assure you that the most <laughs> overrated, the most overrated uh, thing on your plate is a parsnip. Not underrated, overrated. Tastes awful. Doesn't taste of anything. I don't know what earth it tastes of. Just awful. You don't have it all You're... year. So I don't Who's know why you're who. How are you cooking these parsnips? You just boiling them up? No, they're raw. We have raw. So um, <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely ridiculous. We never have more years. Suddenly they're plumped on our plates at Christmas. We're all supposed to like them and underrated. Well, if you um, if you want a quick, uh, my uncle once got completely rat assed on a brandy butter one year. Um, I remember no, with his Christmas pudding, he had so much of it and and a lot of that Lambrini um cheap wine um with his brandy butter. So brandy butter. Very underrated with your Christmas pudding. Don't just go for custard. Go for brandy butter. Don't put it on your turkey, though. That's asking for trouble. Well, um, no. I, I'm with you, Mike. Parsnips can get right in the bin in terms of being overrated. Yes. Just don't really bring anything to it. I'd rather have a roast potato. Um, you are having roast potatoes as well. I know. I'd rather have more roast potatoes. Then, you can have more. No one's saying you can't. There's loads. <laughs> There's ample amount of them. There's just a nice little humble. Don't, don't give me a parsnip. Sweet, but I'm not saying you have to, but just a sweet little parsnip. Cook, cook with some honey if you want. Yeah, but Andy, when, Andy, when else do you have a parsnip? I'm not. I'm not. This is. But we're talking about Christmas dinners here, right? What? You don't have to have a par. You see, we just. It's, it's just. We just have them, and we don't know why. Well, why? Why are you having brandy butter on your on your <laughs> Christmas pudding? We have brandy so, butter. All, we have brandy butter all year in our house. Last days cool. of Rome again, yeah, absolutely. On your to- well, like on your toast, just like, explain an awful lot. Just all time for breakfast. Get some brandy butter on that toast with my marmite. Crazy. 
Let me finish my train of thought. Parsnips overrated. Something else is definitely overrated is cranberry sauce. Why? Why do we pull that? Everyone in every fridge has got a, a jar of cranberry sauce, which only gets opened at Christmas. And every year you have to buy a new one because it goes off. No one. It doesn't bring anything to it. Overrated. If you are one of the people that has Yorkshire puddings with your Christmas dinner, you're a cretin. You've not been brought up properly. Get out now. Here we go. Here we go again. Every year. I'm not rising to it. Ridiculous. You don't know what you're doing if you're having Yorkshire pudding with turkey. We've lost listeners now. We've lost listeners. Well, I don't care. They need to be told. You need to know. This is the views of Mark Keith, not the whole Kings of Anglia. (laughs) Get out now. You're an absolute disgrace. Everybody's just just switched off. The whole Everyone's just turned off their computers. You've not been been brought up properly. You've been drug up and you've not been told how to eat properly food. All right? Christmas Christmas Day, everybody. Take a picture of Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. And tagging Mark Keith. I muted you there. I muted you there. Someone just muted me. I'm not happy about it. Someone needs to. This is underrated. You you need to calm down, man. I'm a food reviewer. I know what I'm talking about, all right? (laughs) Yorkshire puddings, no place at all on a Christmas dinner. Underrated, I would say, Brussels sprouts. Mm. Mm. Chop them up, saute them up with a bit of pancetta, shred them. Fantastic. On your See, that's dinner. what you have to you have to completely butcher them and cook them with something good to, and, and then they're all right you know I've, yeah. I've made them as I've made them as minuscule as possible and, and the other the other the other the other thing fine, and they're all right now <laughs> the other thing that's underrated I would say is sausage meat stuffing now I know you said you don't like stuffing Roscoe but that's because you don't I assume you're not having sausage meat stuffing are you the proper stuff the proper mm. clobber that you want stuffing made out of pork is what you want on your Christmas plate. Ooh, um, so there we go. We we disagree on a lot in Christmas do, we? I, yeah. I, I can't stand I can't stand meat stuffing. You're a, meat. you're pretty much a vegetarian now, aren't you? So no, that well, well, no, that that's not the reason why. Like, just give just give me cheap sage and onion, please. I don't I don't like meat stuffing. It's not okay. for me too much. We, just, we disagree there. As we disagree on Yorkshire pudding on your Christmas dinner, if you've got Yorkshire pudding on your Christmas dinner, slide it all oh, into Mark, the bin. It's, it's coming it, again. It, I'm going to... I'm hungry gonna, on Christmas Day. You do not I'm pressing it. Eat. Can I'm pressing it. I'm Can doing it. I'm doing it. He's gone. He's gone. That's <laughs> quite gonna, right. He's going to keep going. He's, he's gone. <laughs> Pop me back. Oh. We're going <laughs> to fall out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna fall out oh, right then that brings no. us to the end of mailbag um quite a, i would say under 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 uh what's the word i can't even think about i'm so angry thinking about anyway i'll carry on <laughs> shall we move on to wickham friends and move away from the uh the christmas dinner thanks for your question harvey uh let's move on shall we wickham away this weekend roscoe you've just been doing meet the oppo so i'm going to come to you first wickham had a terrible start to the season they're now ninth in the table, though. They've just enjoyed an excellent win over Portsmouth with loads of extra TV cameras. Beat them 2-0. They've, they've also beaten Peterborough 3-1 earlier in the season. They're climbing the table steadily, and clearly you'd expect them to be in and around it come the end of the season. It's never an easy place to go, Wickham. What are your thoughts, and what did you learn from your Meet the Oppo? Very hot and cold team. Very inconsistent is uh, what good old James from the Bucks Free Press um, told me, um, you know, we're, go- we're going to expect the normal service under Gareth Gar- Fainsworth's side, um, but they are a different side 
in recent weeks because, yeah, as you said, bad start to the season, but they've had some good results, as you said, Pompey. They did draw 0-0 against Lincoln, so they don't score many, but they also do save a lot as well. Um, and Anas Mehmeti is the man to look out for, so I'm sure Kieran McKenna and co will be earmarking him. Sam Vokes is not scoring the goals, but he's still a threat, of course, because they've got some good players. Josh Scoen, experienced player, um, but very hot and cold team. So they can turn up one day, be unbelievable. Next day, they could be rubbish. So, um, mm. yeah, could be interesting. Mahetmi is, is someone that a lot of people are talking about, aren't they, in terms of a real talent. Um, yeah. Hutchie, how are you feeling about the trip to Wickham? We've heard there from the words of Roscoe, via the words of a reporter who covers them, very inconsistent, but they are slowly climbing the table after that really bad start. And you never look at a trip to Wickham and go, what, easy three points, do you? No, no, definitely not. I'm looking forward to seeing Mahetmi. I've heard a lot about him. Um not seen a lot of him, um, but looking forward to to watching him play and see how Ipswich handle him. Um, they, like you said, they're 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 the team we know, the team the team we've seen um, over the last few years, but also the team that Ipswich thumped on their own pitch um, last season under Paul Cook. So um, they they can be vulnerable sometimes. They can be a real threat on others. They're abrasive. Um, we saw that when they came. Um, for McKenna's first game, actually, was against Wickham. And the first game of his second year in charge is going to be against Wickham as well. So, um, yeah, interested to see how they do. Two good centre-halves. I like both their centre-halves, Mawson and and Tafazoli in particular, I like. So um, I think that Ipswich will have to work hard to get any change out of them. But whoever plays up front, it's been a bit of a switch, hasn't it, Ross, in recent weeks? Sometimes it's Vokes, sometimes it's Brandon Hanlon. Um, both bring you the same. Um, Cameron Burgess is going to need to have a, a big afternoon. I think he's in what form. Doing, though. What are you doing with the side, Hutchie? We had a, we had a surprise return of Shawnee Luko last weekend, playing almost eighty minutes, having just returned to the fold, and also Caden Jackson starting up top. Are you making changes again for Wickham? I think I, we, we don't see unchanged teams from Kieran McKenna, so um, I'd be surprised if there wasn't something in there. Um, I'm. I'd be tempted to, if I'm sure, if Aluko's reacted okay to what what he did that, that weekend, I'd go with him again. I'd, I'd potentially switch um, switch the striker a little bit, um, go with Ladapo probably, um, just to, to to bang up against those defenders maybe a little bit a little bit more. But other than that, no, probably not an awful lot will change. It's it's another one where you might consider you might consider Greg Lee. Um, this is a difficult one because Leif Davis is obviously a really big part of how Ipswich attack and 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 how they set up as a team in terms of their ambition to get forward and keep the ball on the floor and move the ball. Lee gives you that bit more of an insurance in the air and and things like that. So it's one that I'd consider. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if McKenna went for it, um, but Lee would be one I'd consider. But other than that, I wouldn't change an awful lot. Certainly not a centre half. Wolfenden and, and Burgess are the, are the partnership for me right now. Mike, let's start predictions then. Um, I'd imagine Gareth Ainsworth is someone you admire. Um, what what do you think will happen when Town travel to Wickham this weekend? I do admire Gareth Ainsworth. Yes, he's a, he's a, he's a character, isn't he? Um, yeah. I tell you, before the Exeter game, I was quite concerned how Town might get on at Exeter. I, Exeter had a, were okay, and I thought they were good at. But Ipswich were so good at Exeter, I really can't see. There's no reason Ipswich can't win this game. No reason at all. Just play as they did at you know. Yes, Wickham are a decent side. They're on a bit of a run, but there's no reason it should show the sort of. I mean, 
you know, Marcus Harness is a big loss. So that's, I mean, I must be honest. I think that he is a big loss for Tottenham. But I'd go like Andy put the Dapo up front. Just, just, just play the games they've been playing. Ipswich has been decent away from home. In fact, it's, it's, it, they've been good away from home. It's at home where they've had their struggles. So I'm going to go for a little two 0 town win. Um, uh, the, the Heath man, if that's all right with you. It is all right. I, I very much encourage it, and I hope you're right. Um, two nil then town win. Uh, Roscoe, um, I think when we did the look ahead to December, this is one of the games that I said my my kind of head's telling me Town are going to lose this, but my heart's saying they'll get something from it. And I think I said 1-1. So I'm going to stick with, with a draw. What about you? Oh, I can't remember what I said. So I don't really want to say something different. but Just do what you normally to... do and say they might Things... win, lose or draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, all the results. All the results. Um no, I think I think Town have got this in the bag, you know. Um, I think it'll be a one-nil win, but entertaining performance. It'll be cold afternoon at Adams Park, but on the pitch, as you always say, fire on the pitch. So oh wow, I like that. That's the best prediction so far. One-nil, two-nil, one-one. Hutchie, what is actually going to happen? A tight, tight two-one away win. Nice. So it's only me saying they're not going to win, and I'm always wrong. So it sounds like Town are winning on uh, on Saturday. Hutchie, have you got a million pound pick? Are we doing that? Yeah, we have actually. Um, yeah. Haven't done one for a little while. Um, I would like to know what odds you'd give me for both teams to score a headed goal, and on both occasions for any pictures of said headed goal to go in to include some visible breath. Wow. Of- that is quite that's quite that's quite the bet. Um so that's both teams to score a header on on, on both pitches we or just one. Um on the Ipswich one because I don't know if we'll get a picture of the moment of contact for the the Wickham headed goal. And are we talking visible breath just from the goal scorer? No, just in somebody's breath, just some visible breath. That clearly that clearly lowers the odds or uh, yeah. let's have a look. Um so Two-headed goals and some breath to be on a goal a goal picture for Ipswich. I would say I'll give you. It's going to be cold on Saturday. I know the cold snaps coming to end. I'm going to give you. I'll give you fifty to one. Wow. Okay. Do you think that's too generous? Do you think that's too generous? No, I think I think that's not generous (laughs) enough. I'll I'll put a hundred thousand pounds on that. Fair enough. Heath Bookmaker's taking one hell of a beating so far this season, so I need to tighten up. So we're saying we're saying 2-1, 1-0, 2-0, and 1-1. I'm the dissenting voice. That's Wickham. Enjoy the game if you're going. We've already been going almost an hour and 20 minutes, Hutchie. We've got some Milka Cup results to bring us now, haven't we? Well, yeah, we said but we said there's not an awful lot been going on at Ipswich Town this week. <laughs> there has. Yeah. We all missed we all missed a game. Um Ipswich's first game in the Milka Cup was played this week at Portman Road at home to FK Jabjonec of the Czech Republic. And I'm pleased to report that it ended in a 4-0 home victory over FK Jabjonec. That is Um, a big win. So so Town topped the group. Match day one is in the books. The results are on the screen there. Um, Let me know. Get in! Viking R 3-2! Look at that! That was a late winner away at Zira FK Viking War of, of one three two in Azerbaijan. Um, that's a really big, a really big win. Sadly, the Radiator Boys lost to Heracles mm. RWD Mullenbeek. Um, and your St. Pat's went down yeah, as well to Ria Harry Croatia. Um, big. Can I change my team? Can I change my team? 
You can pick another team, Ross. Um, St. Pat's it. Them boys are rubbish. It's not a good start. They lost. <laughs> they lost four um, nil. Yeah. In, in their Group A game, Re- wins for Wraith Rovers, Budapest Padova, a draw for Trefure, the San Marino boys, uh, Cordoba B36, Torshaven, Santa Clara, Hammerby, victors as well. So 1860 Munchen. Um, some big results in there. Your your team, Rakov, Chesterhova. Mike were, yeah. were beaten by the Finnish side, KPS at home. Very can we just can we just reflect on what a story Viking are, are in this Milka Cup so far? They've come through all the qualifying rounds, and they've just scored a big away win in the first group stage match. We want it's a statement. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I don't know if I may be taking this too far, Hutchie, but I was actually looking at the Viking Hill website whether or not I can justify forty quid on a replica shirt. Um, I think if they keep going further, I might have to. Might bloody have to now. Um, so yes, yeah, what's, the, what's the postage on that? I don't know. I didn't get that far. I just looked at the price and I thought, hmm, that's uh, it's not too bad, and it is quite a nice shirt. So, but what I'm hoping is through this the competition we get sent free stuff from Vikinger, which is why I'm continuing to to press for them. Well, they, so there's the results. Made, they made a good start. They've made a great start. Start on starts. Right then, that's the results. Um, friends, what a show it has been today. But before we go, I've got one more highlight, friends, and we've been teasing it for a little while. And it only seems fit now that England's out of the World Cup that we get to show you a certain young man sporting a mohawk. Um, so if you're not watching, I would suggest you go seek out this video just for this. Because here, at the age of how old were you, Roscoe? I think it was a 2002 World Cup. So, yeah, I would have been six. Bloody hell. Um, here is you. Rocky in England shirt with that mohawk, which of course was made famous by Beckham. Here we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you little scamp. You look like look a cheeky you. little scamp, don't you? You do. Yeah. You look like yeah, definitely. You look like you'd uh, you'd be you'd be causing some trouble. A, 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 a hellraiser there, Ross. And also, I think aside from the mohawk, the thing I take away most from this picture is that you have a chin. You've got a jawline. <laughs> You've got a jawline. Yeah, it's under there somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's the, the one and only time I think I've seen your jawline. So uh, there we go. That yeah. was uh, that was Rossi, age six, rocking the Beckham Mohican. Um, Mike, we need at some point to show a picture of you in your Bon Jovi phase. You must have one somewhere. There are lots of pictures of me about. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we need to share. Maybe one for the Christmas special. No, you um, don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Right then, friends, we've done we've done 80 minutes of gold this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. We've covered a lot of ground. Kieran McKenna's first anniversary. We've done a whole bunch of mailbag. Um, we've covered Wickham Away. We've covered the Milker Cup. And obviously, we've covered Christmas dinners. Um, friends, we've already teased it, but please support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery um, for all your grooming needs. And a lot more they've got on there, my friends. They've just, they just brought out a line of deodorant, which I can highly recommend. Get on that. That's 20% off and free delivery with the code KO. And also, ginger pickle. If you like your, your pickle ginger, Google ginger pickle, as Mike famously told you. They're the people you need to be involved in if you want to improve your digital marketing, SEO, anything like that. Um, and as I say, I would very much enjoy a one-hour SEO tutorial under the Christmas tree, which is what Mike, I think, has got all of us this Christmas. So get involved with ginger pickle. Um, and that brings us to the end of the pod, boys. Anything else to mention before we uh, we take our leave after what's been an enjoyable Sometimes argumentative, but ultimately friendly and, and and fantastic. 80 minutes of audio and video gold. 
I'm not going to say who it was, but I, I, I would just like to note that a member of um, a member of staff at Ipswich Town Football Club has this week reached out to me um, asking what what item of Manscaped uh, stuff is best, which oh. which are the, which of the lawnmowers I would recommend. Um, okay, so well, it, I assume you've seen all of them. I did. I I recommended the 3.0 if I'm honest, the lawnmower okay. because it's an excellent. Um, an excellent device. Um, I won't name who it was because it will uh, it will out them. But um, okay. But um, yeah, there's, Manscaped there's no sh- are infiltrating Ipswich Town Football Club. That's what we want to hear. There's no shame in manscaping, friends. And if you're wondering which the uh, lawnmower 3.0, lawnmower 4.0, treat yourself, get both, and then give, tell us what you think. Um, and that's the way to go. Roscoe, Mike, anything else to mention? Nothing from me. I've got two things. First thing is, um, of course, fan social getting recorded tonight. And um, we've already heard the voice of one person who's going to be on the show. Sindre's on there. Oh, wow. Sindre's making So um, good old Sindre. And good old Ben Diaf is on as well. So, Superb. And the second thing is, Yorkshire puddings are the greatest on Christmas dinners. Thank you very much. Yorkshire puddings are great. They are great. They're one of my favourite things. But they should be beat with beef only. That is the only place you have a Yorkshire pudding, unless you're my dad who has them for actual pudding sometimes while putting jam on them, but that's because he's from the north and he's well he's that's that's another question. That's great. A bit of honey or some maple yeah. syrup on a yeah. on, uh, on a Yorkshire pudding. That's fantastic. Yep. Yep. That's uh that's anyway, friends. Let um, I'm I'm getting riled up again. Um <laughs> I'll take our leave. Ipswich Town at Wickham this weekend. Uh if you go and enjoy the game, if you're not full it all with us, we'll be back next week to break it all down. Um, so have a great one. And if you remember nothing else from this podcast, just remember, if you have Yorkshire pudding... <laughs> I, I've got them. I, 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 my finger's hovering. And you are no friend of mine. You are no friend of anyone. <laughs> Slide it directly into the bin. You do not deserve to have Christmas dinner. You do not deserve to have Christmas. Cancel your Christmas now. Mute him. Mute him. <laughs> Bye.